0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Boyfriendships can be curious. My son, for example, is in love with his cousin Misha. Mishi is about four years old, four and a half. Arlo's about three and a half. And when they're together, they have the best time. But I don't even know what they're talking about because Arlo is still forming his words. I'm pretty sure it's about Star Wars, maybe. Anyway, how they communicate is beyond me. Maggie Dent is a parenting educator and author and mum of four boys. She says that we need to nurture our boys' friendships possibly more than we do for our girls. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Hello, Siobhan. Yeah. So why are boys different to girls in respect to friendships? All right, so...
1: With the way that they do develop in those early years, we, we know that little girls are capable of using emotional manipulation, guilt, and all sorts of things from you know, around three. But they also are able to use wonderful words about um, that build affection and attachment with friendships, particularly other girls. So we know that they're able to say they miss them, and they can't wait to see them, and they, they hug them, and they say hello. So our little boys actually are way behind in that. So quite often without the words, the only way they develop a strong sense of heart connection with another little boy, particularly boy, is playing beside them for hours. So that might mean they just make rum vroom, vroom noises or something, and there's just... You know, and I'm, I'm, there are times I've looked outside, even when they're a bit older, and there's an awful lot of running around and grunting, but there's just not a lot of talking, but they're having a fat time. So actually spending enough time to feel familiar and connected is a really first base for that. And the second thing is sometimes our boys' behavior, um, you remember that there are times I think I've shared it with you before, Siobhan, where a little boy might run up to his best friend who's about to leave kindy or something and just punch him in the head. (laughs) And in actual fact, what he's trying to do is show that boy through what we call um, relation, nurturance. So that's the punching, the hitting, the sitting on, the wrestling is all actually quite often a way of trying to show I like you without using words. So, you know, we can misread that. So we have to actually help our little boys with some of the codes around how do I say hello and goodbye, you know, with high fives and secret handshakes and things, because it doesn't necessarily occur to them easily.
0: I think um, it's interesting you say that, because I went to pick my daughter up from school the other day, and I just noticed the boys in the playground... I thought they were being really mean to each other. Like mm-hmm. one was tripping the other over. He didn't yeah. seem to mind. And I yeah. thought, oh, this is really confronting. Yeah. What yeah. am I going to do when Arlo's in that situation? Because when I see my daughter, if girls did that oh, yeah. to her, yeah. I would straight away be talking to her about, are you Are you yes. okay? Are you? Yes. But it's different. Yeah,
1: totally different. And, and, and sometimes I think um, this is why I talk so much about us needing to gently and warmly emotionally coach our boys in those early years. What we also know is that they haven't got a capacity to sustain many friendships. Um, and so they might only have one or two little friends. Now that may, all the way through primary school, they will have two special friends. They'll kind of look like they're friends with everyone. And every now and then I've, I've, you know, happened to one of my boys, they can get separated from their key best friends without the teacher realizing what they've done and it can shatter them. They'll actually not want to go back to school. Like it's major, and and sometimes you can ask men how many how many really good friends do you have from your childhood? And lucky some of them will just say two. I can't do more than two. So one of the other things is they're not really good at nurturing the rest, the friendships. So sometimes that's where I keep saying there's a massive role for us parents making sure that we create opportunities for them um, to hang out, not just a play date. I'm thinking more sometimes after school that you you meet you know the whole bunch of. Families um, who've got all sorts of kids at different ages, so that our boys are actually able to experience the same kind of kids frequently in safe environments with people who care about them to help decode some of those moments where they make really poor choices, and that is a really fabulous way for boys to develop what we call an authentic play code, where they know, oh no, that that no, I don't think I I don't think they want me to play with them right now, and not punch them because they're not letting me in. All of those things need coaching from people who they actually feel really safe with.
0: This might seem an obvious question because we all want our kids to have friends, but why is it especially important that we teach boys how to develop and maintain friendships?
1: Yes, Okay, so loneliness is a profound, profound um, concern in in men's health at the moment. We've actually got new figures that are suggesting this this spike. We've got an increase in the 44 plus age group of men taking their own lives. And yes, there are some that are struggling with addiction problems and mental health issues, but there is a new statistic coming out showing many of these are profound profoundly lonely. And sometimes that can happen for men in marriages and relationships too, because we women are the organisers quite often of the social events. That's just kind of, that's what we're a little bit wired to do. So if men don't have those significant friendships, they've dropped away, um, they can really struggle mentally with that absence of other people who get them. And you do know that boy humour is, is oh, it drives us mad sometimes, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. a house full of that farting, pooping and everything. But what we know is that one of the ways that boys deal with being um, not sure of people like me or feeling rejected is they'll be silly. And silliness often is misinterpreted as bad behaviour. And sometimes that silliness is saying, oh, poopy bum bum, whatever, in an inappropriate moment. 'Cause they're trying to lift their own emotional states up. So again, that can be misread and sometimes boys' humour takes a while to develop and cultivate.
0: Which is I'm why still s- waiting for my yeah. husband. <laughs> Bless his soul. I keep saying to him, Tell the kids, they'll laugh. I don't think it's funny a restaurant, it. no fun.
1: <laughs> I love it. So can you see, in, in a way, the coding of in, of relationships is actually a give and receive things, and boys aren't able to necessarily a, a significant number monitor and develop that. And it was interesting. I had that chat um, in the media, and when this came out, it went right around the world because it resonated so deeply, that particular blog, especially at one of the parts where I wrote I've been in early childhood settings where I've seen women... Um, telling a boy to go and stand in the corner because he won't stop crying, and to stand over there till you've stopped crying, because it was this inability to appreciate that little boys can feel sad and feel unloved and rejected, and and don't have to be angry. Like, and I went, "Whoa, how do we cultivate an authentic friendship if a boy can't also express sadness?" Yeah, I got this wonderful letter. Oh my gosh, in the mail from a lady who's <laughs> um, now retired, who's worked in um addictions and mental health and she said oh she said you just nailed it Maggie I just wish we'd spend more energy at helping boys and men learn how to build friendships nurture them and keep them because she said it was under
0: nearly every addiction that she ever explored was this profound sense of disconnection. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Maggie Dent, who's a parenting educator and author and also the mum of four boys. We're talking about why we need to nurture boy friendships and it's based on a, a blog that Maggie wrote on her website. Maggie, one of the things that I thought was really interesting in that article was um, the when little boys feel frustrated because they're misunderstood mm. and the role that language plays in that. Oh. Because um, my son, who's three and a half, can have enormous meltdowns. We have no idea why he's upset. I mean, sometimes it's because he's three and a half and he needs to be asleep, (laughs) you know, (laughs) at four o'clock when it's not going to happen. But um, it strikes me that that must be a huge thing for boys if their speech development comes later than girls. Yeah.
1: And that's why you're talking about that little friendship that you've got there um, with your son and and his little... Cousin. Yeah. Mm. um, Because she's just enabling... Beautifully, which is why, you know, we'd love it if our little boys can have, you know, f- friendships with little girls. Do... Misha's a boy. Oh, she's a boy. Oh, yes, misha's a boy. Oh, my goodness. So sorry. It's the, one oh, we're of the...
0: one of those families. Oh, with a name. So sorry.
1: Please forgive me. Um, but also the lamb children, the lamb boys, the sensitive boys... Often they can actually have that capacity to know that I'm not going to do that because that would be mean and hurtful. So they often have more empathy. So quite often I find boys gravitate to, so if they're the alpha, you know, rooster boy, they'll they'll actually love them. But, you know, their special friend will be a little bit more gentle because it's kind of like they know that one. And, you know, there is only so much shoving and pushing that can actually make it fun. Um, and I think the other part of this is that, you know, that frustration is massive. And so what's still happening in our social conditioning is is that we're still kind of realising it's okay for them to get really angry because it's a male-respected emotion. You know, and I think that is what, underneath all this, um, you know, the reason that boys will stop going to school sometimes is because there's he, they don't have a friend in the playground no one likes them no one wants to play with them so that really challenges us because you can't be in there and, um, and I've mentioned that before that I um I have an audio called, I'm a good friend, and it has helped many little boys realise that you actually need to have some welcoming strategies and farewell strategies. And sometimes letting our friends go first is what a good friend does. And also sometimes if your friend's sad or angry, you can make them laugh. And they have no idea of any of these things. So can you see again, Um, we can help them build those strategies. But I am going to say that the friendships that they tend to develop um, in those in those early years and that, if we can keep them connected. So families move so much more nowadays. And I've spoken to a number of men when I was counselling full-time who kind of feel this deep sense of grief inside them because their best friend in their entire life left. Mm. And they didn't have that capacity to stay connected. It was just this big gap. And because it hurt, they actually didn't want to have another friend because in case they left. And I went, oh, it happened once. <laughs> Give it another go. Like... You know that's one of those things about friendships that sometimes, um, you know, if we can keep them going, then that they fill and nurture us. And you know, you'll find that around weddings later on, because I've done over a thousand of those. Watching those friends who were there in preschool, standing mm. beside, you know, a man in his, you know, late thirties or something, about to be married. That they might not have seen him for twelve years, but that's that's who they want beside him on that day. That's the depth that is sight inside, you know, our men. But sometimes. They just don't know how to nurture it and keep that connection, that spark going. So common interests helps, no question. Um, but I'm really worried that we're losing so many of our boys, you know, into the gaming world quite early when that's when they should be out there playing. Because that boy, that code that says, um, you know, play code that says I'm safe is actually learned from the micro expressions on faces because they don't go, oh, are you going to be safe to play with? Do you know what I mean? They actually picked that up. And, and some of the best experts in the world are actually um, pointing that in the direction of um, increasing violence on our streets as, as young men, where, you know, if you'd played enough with other boys, you'd know that face means walk on. Don't go there. Don't answer back. It's not worth it. Whereas they haven't got that. Mm. And then I'm also um, experiencing boys with a high level of social anxiety around the late teens because they haven't come out of their room. So they're great at gaming and they've got friends online, but none of those friends online are you know building up the code of how do i say hello how do i build rapport is that appropriate is that not appropriate and taking think... the mickey out of each other they don't understand teasing which is a
0: significant part of you know male coding do you think in that respect i know that um friendships can develop naturally in at daycare yep. or yep. school but do you see sport as something that's a good place to get our boys to connect yeah. in that way i just think anywhere Yep.
1: Absolutely anywhere that you can get them together. And I think one of the big shifts that we've had in, in you know, parenting today is so much less recreation time. So previous generations of children all played right next to a um, tennis club or a football ground or a rugby ground For all a afternoon all afternoon without us also hovering over them. And so they experienced lots of moments where they understood childhood nastiness and, and a fabulous peak moment where you laugh till you fall over and nearly wet yourself. Those moments with children you only just met an hour or two before, those opportunities aren't around as much. And we've always seemed to have an adult with us, you know, a trip to the park, there's an adult. So that's also the autonomous play that can come from you know, that boys actually really value Anyone who works in early childhood will tell you, the girls have structure in their play. There's rules and boundaries where the boys start here and they're all over the place. You know, they don't know what they're doing either, <laughs> but they're having a fat time. So can you see it's about how many times we can create more opportunities to allow our little boys to play um, so that those bonds
0: are built, those invisible bonds of absolute love. I know you've, you touched on this at the start of the interview, but I'd like to go back to it if I can. Yeah. Um, in little boys and boys particularly, how can we help them as parents? It seems like we so often misinterpret their frustrations, their emotions, and that we're expecting yeah. things of them that if you actually stopped and looked at it, you'd think, no, that's silly, that's, yeah. That's you know, 50 years ago, that's yeah. not what we do today.
1: Yeah. I think the thing to keep in mind is that... Um, We are pulling down a social norm at the moment, Siobhan, where boys and men are tough. So in actual fact, um, you know, each gender has a unique form of toughness. And I can tell you that females are emotionally way tougher than guys. And guys have got the physicalness with that. So at the end of the day, I think it's the messages that they keep on getting that they're supposed to be strong. That's just rubbish. And we have to really let that one go because so often they'll put on a mask to try and look like something they're not and therefore deny what's happening within. So for parents, um, you know, like if the boy gets into the car and so often many of them have meltdowns in the car because school's so hard and they've got to try to be good all day and they're just (laughs) knackered and they probably got to poo because they don't poo at school and they're really under a lot of pressure and well-meaning mummies often jump in the car and say, oh, how was your day, darling? And they interrogate them. Well, oh my gosh, it's just like making everything worse because I'm just recovering from a war zone and you're asking me questions I've got no idea the answers for. So being able to understand how we can meet the unique needs of our boys is also that that's not the right time for that chat but creating where are the pockets I can chat to them they want these really close one-on-one chats. It doesn't matter if it's mum, or dad, or as many as possible. Where Sometimes bath time, sometimes it's pillow time. And they'll, that's when they'll bring up those things that they really don't understand and say, mummy, someone said this to me at school today and it made me feel sad. And we'd love to hear it, wouldn't we, straight after school. But it does. <laughs> it takes a while to bubble up. And I think sometimes we're so quick to tell boys what they're doing wrong and we keep missing noticing when they're doing okay. And that the poor choices are sometimes coming from a place of um, basically ignorance and immaturity. And it's our job to know that we're investing in something here and that punishing them all the time and growling it at them all the time, which is still really common, we're much more punitive towards little boys, just creates an angry, sad little boy. And then that, where does that go later? Often angry men.
0: Mm, mm. So it's a
1: huge window of being able to understand that, Boys' anger is often a symptom, but it's not always the problem. It's what's under that.
0: Speaking of anger, um, you had some really good tips in this article. Hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I hope <laughs> I gave some good tips. Thanks a <laughs> You're welcome, Maggie. <laughs> Just from me. You just need validation from just me. You had some really good tips on how we can help our boys to lose well. I was wondering if you could, um, some games and stuff that I found really interesting.
1: So one of the things we know that if you haven't played a lot, you don't get very good at losing. There's no question. you know, And that's why um, technology is creating a fake sense of winning. Because, of course, uh, there's no emotional response from your, you know, your tablet or whatever. So what we talk about for little boys is we do actually need to invest time around that sort of three to five window, particularly, of playing games with others and being able to validate for them how it's really, it's just, isn't it yuck? Doesn't it feel yuck when you get beaten? You know, and that's why I want to go back. To pass a parcel where there's only one prize, because I' not a lot of children to be disappointed before they're five, particularly boys. So alphas, that's almost a threat to their position of power. so the the most important little boys to play games where they can lose often are your alpha boys. Because they can become the bully and the aggressor, and they will attack kids who beat them, and that's a massive window in that window. So get any of those sort of games, beach cricket, and all those simple games. But I do really believe your your card games, which are really simple, because it's just they're really good. Connect Four is another one that that a bit of strategy, and they're quite good spatially. But gee, they can really lose it when they don't win. <laughs> Both my children can. And the, do and the old that. one is noughts and crosses on a paper. Because noughts and crosses on a paper, it's just game after game after game, best of three, best of five, best of 10, um, they lose a lot. And in the losing a lot, they get better at it. And of course, if the grown-up goes, oh, no, when I lose, they can see that we don't like losing either. And I think it's that bit about getting that sorted before they go to mainstream schooling would be great. But knowing that at times, that's why in sport, I actually want them to know the score. I want them to know the team didn't win. Because you've got to deal with it in life. I cannot believe we're not letting them understand. Mind you, the boys already know. They've got it in their head. They know. They've tallied it up, haven't they? So at different times, I think some of our schooling has also kind of gone a bit cumulative um, in terms of cumulative assessment. So you're progressing rather than pass or fail. Often little boys want to know if they fail. they like, wow, I've got to, <sighs> I need to sort that out, don't I? I Mm. won. Yay, yay, yay. Can you see once again? Mm. So it does take a lot of emotional coaching to be able to create a boy that's comfortable with the big, ugly feelings on either side. And it all comes with play. Play is unbelievably important, that window. And the more free, autonomous play, and that's why I'm such a massive nature play advocate, that you're finally recognising that wild freedom where they can run feral means you have a calmer boy at night. Mm. He might have a few scratches and bruises on him. And you know what? He's learning from what we call natural consequences. (laughs) And that's always a good
0: thing. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you, Siobhan. That's Maggie Dent. She's a parenting educator and author, and Maggie's got a great conference happening in March. It's called Raising Children Who Shine. Her guests include our favourites, Dr. Justin Coulson and Dr. Christy Goodwin, whom you've heard on Kindling Conversation, but also Dr. Vanessa Lapont, who's the author of Discipline Without Damage.